If you're a web developer, chances are that you used CodePen more than once. You're also probably very familiar with CSS tricks for, well, more than just CSS tricks. The man behind these experiences, Chris Coyer, actually started his journey some time ago with a programming language called Turbo Pascal, many steps removed from web development. I sat down with Chris to talk more about his career, lessons in getting CodePen out into the world, and so much more. Enjoy the show. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Work Item Podcast. And what a guest do we have today, web developer extraordinaire, Chris Coyer. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Can't wait. What's up? Really, really excited yeah, to talk to you today. So tell us more about what you're up to these days. I, I think I, I know that technically, really, you're somebody that needs no introduction, but tell us more about what you're doing. Yeah, right now life has gotten fairly simple. I, my my professionally, my whole main gig is working at CodePen, which is a company I founded about ten years ago. It's uh at its heart and soul, it's kind of a a, a code editor in the browser, so you don't have to install anything, but you can be writing front end related code like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and seeing the results of that code as you're doing it. And then you save it and it gets a URL and you can share it. And there's a bit of a social networking community around it as well, meaning you're liking people's work on CodePen and following them and talking about it and such. So that's the that's my big play in the world is CodePen. And we are very, and I say we because it's, you know, it's a company with employees are very heavily working on it and thinking about the future and trying to make CodePen happen as a business. And CodePen, I mean, realistically, we don't need to really even talk about the impact because any web developer, you know, I work in web development. I Everybody I talk to, they always know what CodePen is and they use it daily. Now, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I want to even start with your career as a web developer. Uh, where did that passion start from? I looked uh, up one of your past interviews and you mentioned that you started with Turbo Pascal being one of the first languages you tried. That's quite of a departure from that to web development. Like it's a big leap. Tell me more about what got you started. Back in those days, when you say Turbo Pascal, it does it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside because I I look back at those days fondly, which is probably like 1996 or so, um, which means I'm, cause I'm 42 now. I was a, you know, I was a 16 year old because I was born in 1980 and in high school and happened to sort of randomly take, I mean, I can't remember what have, what would have incentivized me to take computer programming classes, perhaps just because I thought computers were cool and had friends with computers and was always kind of a computer-like guy, probably was a little intimidated by the idea of programming them because that's a difficult task, you know? I'm not, I'm not sure that I, you know, naturally was inclined that way. My parents certainly didn't push me that way. They would have been happy that I was doing it, but they weren't, they're not programmers themselves or anything. Uh, and then took that class and it just so happened to have a teacher that I vibed with pretty well. Uh, uh, and really enjoyed it. And it turned out to be one of those classes where I'd come in early to school just to use the computer lab and I'd stay late or I'd go to the computer lab during study breaks to work on things. And that was really encouraged and, and it felt positive, but mostly fun. 
because the things I was working on were games and things like that. So it's fun to work on a game and have have teachers be, you know, applauding you and encouraging you for 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 what you're doing there. I don't think web working on websites was really a thing then. That would have been really really early days for the web. So so not not much going on there. But you know, I had so much fun doing it that when it came time for college a few years later, it was like, well, computers obviously, right? <laughs> Uh, and even then, there wasn't tons of web stuff I could be doing. So I found the web on my own, almost from a desire to be into the, the community of computers. And the web really kind of fostered that. So I mostly just found it on my own and, 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 and kept up that idea that working on computers is fun. <laughs> it's fascinating how many stories like this start with an encouraging teacher. Mm. somebody that actually motivated you to do this because, you know, computer science or any computer-related topic is not exactly one of the easiest to learn. So it's very important to see, like, who's the first guiding force when you get started. Right, right. Especially then, I don't, I don't think you could accidentally fall into programming that easily. Like, perhaps you could find a book, perhaps you could find yourself in a, in a situation like that, but it would be a lot harder. Certainly having a, a teacher in a classroom and a computer lab and books and, you know, exercises all ready to go. That was a smoothed out the path for learning a lot. Totally. And you were talking about Turo Pascal, and that's exactly what I started with myself back in uh, Eastern Europe. And that was kind of the only language that we were taught. And it was realistically one of the big challenges. Like, I don't know how this is useful. Like, even back then, I was just like, I don't understand. You see, you stare at this blue screen and you see a bunch of text that you need to come, yeah, you know, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like two plus two equals four. Great. What is this for? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that probably would have been hard, especially to think entrepreneurially that young. I wasn't, I'm sure. So the fact that games got to be part of it made a lot of sense. Because, you know, perhaps I had the idea, oh, maybe I'll, you know, make a recipe saving app for my family or something. I, I could see making that leap, but making software that maybe people would pay for that would truly, truly be useful. Uh, it was difficult. It was more difficult to see. But the games really worked. And I, I, I do remember another one. What one of the apps I worked on. After I, you know, I had, I did some of the prerequisite stuff like programming the Conway's game of life was, you know, an early memory of programming, which I felt so, was just so fun to work on. I had already gotten used to in my head thinking about arrays and nested arrays because that's what was necessary to program like a, a grid. You know, you have your X column and your Y column and to loop over them, you'd loop over the X and within the X, you'd loop over the Y. Uh, was nice. So I'm like, okay, grids, grids. And I was like, how about I make the game of Battleship, which was a, this game where you place little ships at random coordinates and your, your opponent can't see where you place the ship and they essentially guess where the ship is. Well, that's no fun to play on one computer screen. You know, the actual physical game has a, you know, you know, a big piece of plastic between you and them. So they can't see your screen. Well, that translates pretty nicely to two different computers. So wouldn't it be fun to play Battleship against another computer in another room or another part of the world? In Turbo Pascal, there was enough uh, you could interface with. Um, we had Apple computers. That there was a thing called like, 
Now now I'm blanking on it, but some kind of Apple networking protocol to talk to different computers, not over the internet, but over local networks uh, to one another. So, you know, there was enough bindings between those things that I kind of got that working. And that was so satisfying to work on, which was probably an early taste of like, what if this was the internet? What if this was anybody in the world? You know, I got a taste for, for that. I was going to say you're way more brave than I was at the very beginning of my programming career and trying to deal with the networking stack and probably like sockets or whatever incarnation right. of sockets was at the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know the how successful I was, but I, I certainly remember playing with it. It's the experimentation that matters. It's the experience. But you've been a developer and specifically a web developer for some time now. Did you ever reach a point where you got bored of web development, right? There was a point I was like, okay, I've been doing this for forever. What else is out there? Or was it more of a passion that's kind of ongoing? Yeah, fortunately, it's been pretty ongoing. I can't remember a time of being terribly bored of it. Uh, It it probably depends. I've kind of manufactured my my career and the choices I've made in a way that gives me a good amount of control. Usually, even when I worked for other people where I didn't have so much control over what I was doing day to day, I was either pretty happy with what we were doing day to day, or I had enough side projects and time in the day to be working what I want to work on that I avoided that. Cause I think the the trick to avoiding burnout is, is having some control and, controlling the outcome of what you're doing. I think if you're just told what to do and you do it and I don't know, you're not shipping and you you feel like you're not having impact, that's the the recipe for burnout. But I've always had things where I had lots of control over the the final product. Was it some aspiration that you kind of always intentionally set for yourself that you want to have that level of control because it's not immediately obvious for somebody especially starting their career and a lot of our listeners are folks that are early to mid stage of their careers right? That realization of burnout comes, as you mentioned, from kind of the lack of control, lack of autonomy. Was it something that you learned kind of the hard way or was it more kind of organically coming up? Yeah, probably. I think organically. I think there's probably some level of my personality that likes to have control over what I'm doing. And this is just how it manifests. Manifests as I'm going to build this website and Nobody can tell me how to build it. <laughs> this is this is my thing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's loosened up over the years or gotten stronger, but <laughs> I don't know. I can see some people not having that, for example, or being intimidated of the idea of 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 being responsible for the whole thing. That they don't want that, you know. That I'd rather be a part of the team and the responsibility is shared with everybody. And I get that too. There's no. There's nothing wrong with that, but I always need to have at least one project. It's just my little baby. <laughs> what helps you have that sense of responsibility and not being afraid of being responsible for it? I don't know. I just don't know. You know, maybe I found, maybe I had enough wins, you know, early on that it made me not scared of it for some reason, or I found enough value in it, you know, because when you're responsible for it, that means you reap the you reap the rewards or the troubles, you know, and I had enough reaping of the rewards that was good. I mean, an example of that is CSS tricks. You know, that's just a blog I started and it was, the stakes were low in the beginning and the stakes grew and grew as it got bigger. 
but it was always something I kind of fully controlled. And while that was stressful sometimes, the amount of reward I got from it was so high monetarily, industry clout, being invited to things, having people read what I wrote and engage with it. The rewards were much higher than the the pain of, you know, <laughs> being responsible for it. CSS Strix specifically, was that something that you just kind of sat down one day and said, I want to build a community for folks that are interested in web development? Or was what was the motivation behind it? Yeah, it certainly wasn't some adult, intelligent, business plan oriented, you know, VC backed, anything like that. It was, it was literally just, I know how to start a blog. Boop. Now I have a blog. You know, I was a child essentially when it started, or at least in just post-college, you know, quite young, no huge aspirations for anything. You know, I've told this story a number of times and, in 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 the truth of it is it really was almost like a beer money thing. Like I want to make money from it, but I also enjoy it. Like, can I, can I do this thing where I turn some level of enjoying enjoyment and playing around, but also extract a low level of money out of it. I would never dream to make career level money off of some little blog. Never. Uh, so, and, but I was, you know, on day one, I was trying to slap Google AdSense on there because that they, you know, the companies out there do a good job of training you of what they want. You know, I can imagine starting today and seeing TikTok or Instagram and they basically tell you what they want, you know, create really funny stuff for us, you know, build your audience, tell your audience to like, and subscribe, you know? click this button and it'll ha do a pre-roll ad on your YouTube. They're not shy about telling you what they want. Google AdSense is the same kind of thing. Make a website, put good content on it, put Google AdSense on it. And, you know, if people click, you might earn 30 cents. There was no, I didn't have to stretch my brain to think of that idea. I was like, okay, I'll make a blog. I'll put good content on it. I'll put some ads on it and maybe I'll make 30 cents. You know, maybe if I do a really good job, I'll make 20 bucks this month. That would be amazing because when you're really young, that level of cash <laughs> matters. So that was, that was the early days of it. But I just found that I did act, you know, more than the $20. I enjoyed having people read what I read. Like there's some like really fundamental psychological thrill to that. What I find interesting about the story is that you're putting yourself in the middle of basically two camps of like thinking around this problem because there's folks that think about any project that you start, think from an only monetization angle, what can make you money? And then there's the other camp that basically says, well, build something that you're passionate about and the money will come eventually. You're kind of in between for CSS tricks where it's like, yeah, we kind of, you know, I wanted a little bit of monetization, but not necessarily something that would be, you know, replace my full-time job or anything of that nature. Right. Well, it's because I was a kid. I'm 42 years old now. I'm not going to start another business just because f for the kicks of it. You know, I, I shouldn't say that. Maybe I will, actually. But, if, but only because I can now, and it would be through financial stability from other things that have happened in my life and that I have the good fortune and privilege to be able to do that. But I wouldn't, if I was, you know, if, if I was being really serious and I was like, I need to make something 
because it matters for my career, I wouldn't be as loosey-goosey as it now. I mean, just at a different point in my life. You know? Starting a community like CSS Strix can be very intimidating, and especially if you're starting from scratch. Was there a specific recipe that you saw that worked for you as you built it out that it became what it is now effectively? Yeah, that's tricky because even the word community is is tricky. I even think about it today with what we have at CodePen, you know, like, is that officially a community? And it's very tempting to say, yes. I mean, a, you know, that's a group of people essentially, like, I don't know, at a very loose level. Sure, that's a community. And was was CSS Tricks ever a community too? More difficult to say yes, but yes. You know, there'd be people that came back and commented over and over. And there was a forums there for a long time. And forums really are communities, I think. Like that's technology that 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 breeds a community. But it's it is hard to, I don't know. I just struggle to I struggle to just be like, yes, absolutely. The things I've built are community-driven products, community, community, community. Because I just, I don't, I don't know for sure. It's a little different, you know. Uh, we don't see each other in person. Nobody's calling each other up. I don't know. They're not. I, I never saw, you know, two people from CSS Tricks start, you know, get married or something like that. You know. Uh, I don't know. So, but, but I don't know. So, so was that vitally important? I'm not, I'm not sure that it was, you know, what you're looking for instead is an audience or a readership. And those are kind of different words, I think, and, and mean different things. So let's talk about audience. When you talk about CSS tricks, were you specifically targeting a, you know, segment of users or is it more just kind of Let's try and see what works. It was self-segmenting in a way, because especially in the early days, it really was mostly about CSS. I did branch off pretty early, and it was I would be happy to talk about anything that was about building websites. And that's it became that pretty quickly early on. But that's pretty self-segmenting audience. I didn't... Uh, <laughs> if you weren't interested in building websites, you're not a reader of CSS Trick. I wasn't writing for... I don't know, like the Washington Post technology section or something. I wasn't trying to make these articles understandable from people that that had no interest in building websites. So that was tricky in a way, but I think that voice just, and maybe the name of the website helped with that too. Like if you saw that and were like, what the heck is this? You would be, you would just bounce away. You would, just, you would, you would either never get there, or, or if you got there, you would just leave right away because you're like, I don't, I have no idea what I'm looking at. So yeah, finding that audience was like, I'm gonna speak to you like, like we already have this foundational knowledge. We're already both web developers, so I'm not gonna like explain to you what HTML is every time I use HTML in an article. Out of curiosity, you know, at the time when you were starting this, were you ever thinking about? Who else is doing something similar? Or was there nobody doing anything similar? Oh, there's, I think I was late almost to the party. Smashing Magazine, still thriving today, was earlier than CSS Tricks, although in the long time scale, we were probably pretty close to starting, but they they definitely already existed and were much bigger than CSS Tricks. Well, the whole time really, but the, especially in the early days. And then there's, there's 
there was lots of individual developer blogs that did a great job of talking about CSS to the point where looking back and knowing who those people are now and how good they were at writing about CSS then, it made it seem silly that I just popped on the scene and started writing about CSS and like in a really rudimentary, simple ways that probably wasn't particularly valuable in those early days. It was kind of like, what are you even doing, man? There's there's actually smart people talking about CSS already. What are you doing here? But I didn't know that and I didn't care, I don't think. Even if I would have known that, I would have been like, whatever, man, I'm just doing my beer money blog. Leave me alone. You know? Beer money blog. <laughs> <laughs> that That's one way to position it. But Another project that you also kind of started is CodePen, and we kind of alluded to it several times through the show. And what was the inspiration behind that? Because again, it's if you compare it to CSS tricks, it's same domain, but it's addressing a way different problem. Yeah, we've we've covered way more ground with CodePen. Even for quite a while, CodePen had blog posts on it too. Because of my experience with CSS tricks, I was kind of like, I I was like, there's obviously value and money to be made in writing about web stuff. So maybe we should do that at CodePen too. We don't have that feature anymore. It didn't work out for us in the same kind of way. That was always kind of a side project at CodePen anyway. I already talked about at the top of the show that CodePen is a mostly a code editor uh, in the browser. And you make these things called pens, which are essentially little websites. You know, it's just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript like any other little website is. Uh, The inspiration was, and I've said this many times too, it's very related to CSS tricks. In fact, the, the, the absolute origin story is me asking some friends that I worked with at another job at the time, what do you think about a, a weekend project where we build essentially a code editor in the browser that I can use on CSS tricks? Like, could you help me build this kind of thing? Cause especially back then I had very little backend and server skills still not in my very highest level of stuff, but I've, you know, <laughs> I've leveled up quite a bit in that regard and could probably do what they could do back then. But of course they've leveled up now too. And <laughs> yeah, et cetera, et cetera. But so the, the point was, what if I had a little app that could make CSS, HTML and JavaScript demos and embed them within CSS tricks? Because pre-dating of CodePen, there are apps that are still around today, JS Fiddle, JS Bin, were, were around, and they broke ground on this idea of writing those languages and seeing the results at the same time in a browser window, which was pretty groundbreaking at the time. I think we think of that as table stakes these days for a lot of these things, or, or kind of an obvious concept, was not obvious at the time. And I didn't have that at CSS Tricks for a long time in the beginning. If I wanted to show you a demo, I would link out somewhere else to show you that demo. It was often just a page I would host myself, but you were, then, you, then you're still just looking at the demo. You're not looking at the code and the demo together. And I wanted that. I was like, I know this is a good experience for reading a blog post about technology. I should be able to see the code and the result in the blog post. And so we built CodePen around that idea 
but it just grew up from there being like, oh man, this is actually a pretty good idea. I think we could do like, I think we could make a real business around this essentially. When you were bootstrapping it, were there any skills that you had or that you had acquired that you feel helped you drive this project forward? Yeah. I mean, it was a perfect marriage of three founders. At the time, it was like, I felt like I could be the designer and lead the features of it, at least at first, and promote it and talk about it, you know, be the web designer of it. And then I had Alex, who's still my co-founder today, who was was pretty good JavaScript guy and could do that. I thought that was his skill set, but can do a, just really can do anything in tech. Uh, and then at the time, Tim, who was really backend focused and server focused, and it was like to have three guys like that get together, that was perfect. It was like, we could build anything. Let's do this because it actually utilized all three of our skill sets pretty well. And it seems like also a rare combination when you have somebody that is able to also have a good design sense and an engineering sense and be able to also like have a product sense. Because what I'm hearing is that there's a lot of product decisions that need to be made by you and the team. Yeah, there still is. <laughs> With any project of the scale like CodePen, you can go both ways, right? You can either get really, really popular, very visible, you get inundated, but all the requests from community and what people want, or you basically have to fight an uphill battle and just convince people of the value of like, no, 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 you actually need this because right. X, Y, and Z. How did that go over CodePen? Well, we got that, you know, CSS Tricks was essentially a big cheat code. It was... I, I know this is a good idea for CSS Tricks. CSS Tricks has already grown and gotten popular and become the megaphone that we needed. So we didn't have to invest in marketing like so many other companies do. That can be a big early cost. I think these days if you're making a technology product and you're going to spend money, maybe it's a VC's money because you got it. You're you, What you generally don't need is a lot of like physical stuff. You're not buying raw metal or textiles or something like so many other businesses do. We're, it's pretty inexpensive to run a technology company from that perspective. But what's expensive is people. So for us, that's still the absolute number one cost because even, even servers and stuff relatively cheap. But for a lot of companies, it's marketing also like, okay, we've built this thing. We're going to have to literally spend money to tell, to tell people about it. And I never had that cost at CodePen just because I was out there. I could use CSS tricks to tell the exact right people about this thing. Yeah. I don't, I didn't have to worry about visibility of, of CodePen. Anybody that I cared to, to, get to know about it knows about it. I like that. I like the approach of using one of your existing projects to kind of push another project forward. Now, if you think back about, you know, the early days or the the middle days of CodePen, were there anything that if you think about it, you'd do it differently knowing what you know now? Yeah, probably all sorts of things. You know, we'd 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 know which things ended up being a waste of time. Like I even mentioned the, you know, the, the ability to write blog posts on CodePen was, was interesting, but it didn't, it didn't work out. And I just knowing that now, I'm not sure I would have tried to do it differently. I probably just would have not done it. We tried to be a job board for a long time, looking at the success of something like Dribble. The, I, 
I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that I'll, like a big bulk of the money that Dribble made, which was we saw a, a lot of similarities between CodePen and Dribble. Dribble is like post a little screenshot of what you're working on, and you follow people, you like people, you have comments and stuff, you collect shots together on Dribble to make collections and stuff. That was the design version of what we were doing essentially. So we saw a lot of similarities between CodePen and Dribble, and Dribble was very successful in their job board. They posted design jobs and there was a lot of them and they charged good money to be there. We thought, why can't we then be the job board for front end design development? And we tried and tried um, and and that didn't work out either. And that is now gone from CodePen as well. We'd know that, for example, we would probably not go down that road. It's not like that those doors need to be closed forever, but we learn from that. You know, and uh, and I mean, it's it's interesting to see Stack Overflow shutting theirs down. I mean, my God, they must have been huge. I don't know that you just know what what paths work for you and what doesn't. I think we were too easily distracted by side projects, and that I probably would be stay more focused on one thing rather than doing as many branches as we did. I think it's what's interesting about what you're saying is that this, in hindsight, it seems like a very obvious thing. It's like, well, of course, we need to focus more. But just so many companies do this, that they start with one thing and then you have these like pile of new things coming up and coming up and coming up and kind of the 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 circle repeats itself. No matter like how much advice you can give folks about, you know, focus on one thing and do it really well. Exactly. So, you know, even my mind now is like, well, let's say our revenue was twice as good as it was, you know, twice as fast and twice as large of revenue. That wouldn't that be interesting. We could hire twice as many people. What if I put two, three people on on the job board and I made it their full time job? Would that have been the secret sauce to make the job board better if somebody woke up? All day there was a you know there's a project manager just for the job board and they spent all of their every waking hour trying to make our job board better would that have been it maybe or maybe it still would have been a distraction for our company <laughs> and that's the kind of thing well, well you'll never know on a personal level given that you have this experience shipping products and kind of starting your own uh, company sized efforts how do you overcome that anxiety of shipping something that has a high degree of visibility, something that you know people will see and a lot of people will see and a lot of people will have opinions on them. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that I have that particular brand of anxiety. That's mostly just excitement for me. We're in that position now because, you know, we are highly working on CodePen and CodePen is, of today is, is pretty simple. And I see a lot of limitations over what you can do on CodePen. Uh, 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 and I want to start tearing down those limitations. I want CodePen to be more capable and, and offer more things that you can build and really think of it fit into people's workflow in a different, bigger way. That would be very exciting for me. I feel like I know the right answer to that. Like I've been thinking about that for 10 years. Like I, I know, I know what would be a cool product. The, the the hard part is building and shipping that product, not worrying whether it's the right thing to ship or having having. I don't experience that anxiety. I know what the right answer is. We just got to do it. <laughs> right. So you have enough experience on that gut feel of knowing, like, if only we ship this, and yeah. we get the code out the door. 
Right. And, and hey, and I don't absolutely 100% know that it's going to be wildly successful. I'm pretty damn sure because that's my job to be sure. But even if it's not, well, oh, well, let's try again then. You know, what helps you have that sense of like being pretty damn sure as to what I build websites built. too. I am a developer. Like we ship this very, very, I don't know, meta product in a way. It's that like, I know, I know what it's like to type keys and make code and, and, you know, like I am a developer. So if we make this product that is like really impressive development capabilities, I know that's cool. I don't have to guess if that's cool or not. This is my favorite quote of this podcast now. I know how to type keys because this this is what development yeah, is all about. Sure, it's half typing. Yeah. Right. Now, when you kind of ventured into, you know, going full time on your own thing instead of working for a well-established company like the fangs of the world, right. uh, how did you prepare yourself to go down that route? Right. In a sense, again, I got a cheat code for doing that. So my experience isn't going to be exactly the same as other people. In fact, I look up to people who were more ballsy and took bigger risks with what they did. I didn't really have to take a big risk because by the time I quit a full-time job, I had CSS tricks in a pretty healthy place that was making money. It maybe wasn't a one-for-one replacement of that job. And certainly when I left the job, there's all the less income coming in. But I had established myself in the community. I had this thing that I, I had some ideas for income streams to come on. I was still single and with no children at the time. So th that was going on. There was never this moment. You know, there's just a little bit of like, oh, gosh, I better get going because I need some money, but it wasn't particularly risky because I'd say if six months went by and I really wasn't, I was, I wasn't motivated. I just found myself sitting around watching TV all day and my income was dwindling away and all that. I probably would have just been like, well, but I guess I better go get a job and going to get a job would never be a problem. I mean, I know the economy factors into it and it gets tricky, but like I've been a really public developer for a long time. I feel like if I had to get a job even now, like it wouldn't be too hard. you know? <laughs> right. Right. Is that that authority built up? Yeah. Speaking of you being an authority on things, you're also a prolific blogger. What motivates you to not only write code, but actually write? I, it's, it's just it's just self-satisfying. Like when and you know, if you're going to write something that other people are going to read it, it's that same feeling I had 15 years ago, starting other little blogs like CSS tricks. It's, it's just exciting in a way. If two people read what you're going to write, that's cool to know, you know, and chances are more people are, are, are going to do it than that. And it's just always been good to me. Always, always, always. That writing thing is almost like, almost like beating a dead horse. Like people, look, obviously writing is this great, you know, I'm overused it during this interview, but great cheat code for success in all sorts of ways. It's so, 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 so useful to have people understand you and communicate ideas and drive people towards certain decisions. Blogging and writing in general is just just an obvious powerhouse move <laughs> right so it's basically like oh yeah you're you're that guy from the blog post i remember that yeah and it builds on itself 
you know, you write another blog post, you link back to these other ones, it becomes this little empire. Now, doing it under the CSS Tricks brand was kind of an accident in a way, but it was it wasn't. But, but it, then it built a brand, and the brand was sellable. I mean, it was only this year that I sold CSS tricks because it gave me more time to focus on code pen, et cetera, et cetera. But I built up a thing that was literally worth money too. So while it wasn't a, a technology play, it was still building something that in the end had good value. I love that. Now, Chris, for somebody listening to this and thinking, you know what, I want to follow your own your trajectory or, or kind of the same trajectory or similar trajectory. What's your one unconventional piece of advice that you'd give them? Well, let's stick with that then, because it's the writing. There's not enough people that do that. So do it in some way. Like the amount of advantages I got through writing or being and being generally public about what you're doing is good. So working in public is another kind of catchphrase to, to, to use for that. So these days, would it would it absolutely just be a blog? Maybe it would. I would encourage that because it, it gives you real ownership over what you're doing and all that. And I've seen things come and go, you know, like, I, I don't know, I'm sure Medium is still a pretty big, successful company. But what I say, absolutely build your brand on the back of Medium right now. Probably not. You know, it doesn't seem, <laughs> doesn't seem like a move that, that people are doing. So I'd have to give you the same advice about something like Twitter or other social networks, too. It's tempting to say, Build your audience there, which you can do in anything. You could be a famous chef on Instagram or a, certainly you can be a famous developer on Twitter, apparently. That's tempting, but that you're always at the whim of the popularity of that platform, whereas writing in your own world is certainly going to give you uh, advantages there. So unconventional is just to be out there, be public about what you're doing, and it's going to give you advantages far beyond... I don't know, just the words themselves. Fantastic advice. Chris, where can folks find more about what you're doing? Uh, you know, the, my personal website's probably a decent place, chriscoyer.net. Uh, and then I use my, I'm privileged enough to just use my name for absolutely everything. So I'm Chris Coyer on, on GitHub and CodePen and Twitter and Instagram and all the, all the places that if you prefer to follow me there, I'm, I am there too. But the hub of it all is chriscoyer.net. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much. 